Putting the ain't in saint, you're listening to Canada's most listened to spiritual talk show. And now here's your host, Drew Marshall. Sweaters covered in dog hair. I wear the same jeans every day. Dug out the suit for an interview. I came home, I threw it away. I knew I wasn't the same as all the others in the factory. I hope I don't get famous, famous. Then you get sick of me. I don't wanna. I don't wanna. I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I got so many ideas, man I got dreams on my dreams, I just gotta get it together, whatever that means, I got rings on my fingers, I got bells on my toes, I buy clothes that don't fit me, make faces in the dark, but then again, Nobody knows I don't wanna I don't wanna You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. Mr. Wordman of Alcatraz playing live here in studio. What a pleasure. We're going to have an entire set from the Wordman at the end of the show. It's our April Fool's Day special, and a special thanks to all of our guests that we've uh, had on our show, including the Wordman of Alcatraz and Abdominal. That's the first uh, hip-hop guy I've ever had on the show, Tim. He was great. What'd you think? I really enjoyed How cool am I, though? Let's talk oh, more sorry, about sorry, me. Sorry, 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 sorry. Drew, you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I want to get to our first uh, kind of big, uh, big, real, really big author guest on the show. Wow, that was a good intro. Nice. Well uh, and let's get Jason on the line right now because the first thing I need to figure out, Jason, is your last name. Is it Michelle? It is Michelle, yeah. All right, Jason, thank you for joining us. He's the author of Cancer is Funny, Keeping Faith in Stage Serious Chemo. Uh, Jason Michelli is a young pastor battling a rare and aggressive cancer. Before I continue reading your bio, it's just ridiculous to, to go any further without saying, dude, how are you? <laughs> I'm 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 good. I'm I'm in the process of moving to Canada actually, so I'm I'm you're, excited. <laughs> what? Are you, okay, first of all, <laughs> is this an April Fool's joke? Because you're sick of Trump, or we have it free Medicare? Jeez, it, it, it. <laughs> oh, it, it is it is an April Fool's. Wise guy, wise guy. Uh, well, apparently uh, you can tell from the read already here that uh, he has the ability to turn this very healthy. A sense of humor onto his um, onto his uh, the stuff that he's dealing with the stuff I can't even say the c word. Well, you're in the pocket, brother. Cancer. Um, do you have people who who get bugged at you, Jason, for for being so cheeky about cancer? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. A good example of that is a friend of mine is a teacher uh, here outside DC and. Uh, her and her faculty members have like a board in the hallway that says like what they're reading. She she was posting, you know, a picture of my book um, under what she's reading, and people would um, tear it off or scratch through it and write "cancer is not funny" on it, and and so it, it definitely strikes a chord in people. Um, but what I've found is that people actually suffering through cancer, um, they they know they know what I'm about. They, they understand and appreciate and resonate with it. Well, okay, so let's get all sort of dramatic about this. The first day you found out that that um, that you were going to be 
facing this ridiculous uphill battle. Tell us about that. I mean, I'm sure it was a visit to the doctor. What were the signs that you that things were not going well? The physical signs. Yeah, I, I, uh, I had probably four to six months of just uh, recurring, really severe abdominal pains, and, and I would go to doctors and try to get it checked out and stool samples and, and all of that, and uh, nothing was ever really conclusive. And then it would go away for a while, and I forget about it. I just assume I'm, you know, I'm young and healthy, so I can't do anything serious. Um, and then uh, two years ago, right before Christmas, it got really bad for about two weeks and wouldn't abate. And I went back, and I so I ended up going to a, a GI doctor, and he ordered a CAT scan, and I was told, you know, I'd hear something in about seven to ten business days. And then that night when I'm driving my boys home from, from practice, uh, I get the are you sitting down uh, phone call. And next thing I know, I'm being rushed in for emergency surgery the next morning. Um, and then the next thing I know, I'm waking up and my wife's telling me that they took a 11 by 11 inch tumor out of my intestine. Wow. And uh, they were biopsying it and they weren't sure yet, but I luckily had one of five rare cancers. And so, so it was, I, I was in pain for a few months, but it, it all kind of happened. It felt much faster than, than that. Man, man. Okay. All right. Um, so one time when I was, uh, don't tell anybody this, but I used to be a pastor, and uh, I had someone up on stage. I had someone up on on the platform at the front. Um, we were juggling and playing music and things. And uh, the the story was, I was interviewing them about the, the the hard stuff that they were going through. And this mom had some kind of digestive issue where she has never eaten. This lady has never eaten solid food. Mm-hmm. So she has to eat through a shunt and this machine hooks up throughout the night and, this, and then f- nutrients go into her body that way. Then she gives birth to a baby yeah. and the baby is born with a hole in her heart. And so I had her up on stage uh-huh, and yeah. I said, all right, you know, obvious question for me would be, did you ever look skyward and say, why me, God? So what do you do about that, the whole why me? Um, her, uh, let me just tell you, her answer was, well, why not me? <laughs> um, yeah, I, the way I put it in the book is that um, cancer thrusts you into this community that you weren't really aware of. Um, and now you're a part of it, and I think it takes, what I say in the book is only a dick would ask, why me? Um, Because really the question is, why them? Yeah. Um, You really have to be, you have to be overly self-involved, I think, to just ask, why me? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, for me, like, part of what taking Jesus seriously means is that we shouldn't expect our lives to be any easier uh, or end any better than his did. Um, and so I, I, so I don't struggle with that question so much. Like having said that though, so theologically, I I don't, I never asked that question, but then existentially during my treatment, I got to the point where I was just physically and emotionally exhausted. And I, and I did find myself asking that question. Oh, sure. So even though I don't believe it, even though I don't believe it, I I think there's just something endemic to being human that, that causes you to ask that. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I ask that every time I get, I'm doing the porcelain polka, you know? I mean, I'm just sweating <laughs> buckets and spewing junk into the toilet, and I can't yeah. stop, and I'm vomiting every 10 minutes, and I get I get very theological at that point in my life. Yeah, it's, uh, for me, the question is, um, I don't know how specifically Christian you want me to get, but, you know, for me, the question is, if this is the best possible world that God could have created, which I think you know, is required of us to confess. 
why why does the world have to have something like cancer in it yeah. or the suffering of children? Um, and I and I don't know that Christians we're not given a an answer or an explanation to that question. I, I think we're given a means to endure it. Um, Tim, were you here when I interviewed? Um, uh, who's that super Jesus singer with three names? Uh, Michael W. Smith? No, the other one with the three names. Seem they all have three names and they can't shave properly. The- Lee Harvey Oswald? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. No, what was his name? Oh, Sh- uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. So I had Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife on the show, and I asked them this question, and it turned out it angered them a lot, so much so that their their people sent me a message saying that they were very angry about this afterwards. Right. And the question is this, and this is this is what I want to bring up with you, uh, Jason. Um, there's such a thing that out there in the, especially in the evangelical scene, it's called tar- Well, I call it target theology. And so you know, you're a, mm-hmm. you're a minister. And, and there's there's an enemy of God, and this enemy of God is called Satan, and Satan uh, wants to screw with you because you're doing extra special stuff for God, and so you have a big target in the back of your head. And so in their case, the, the um, what was the names again? Stephen Curtis Chapman. Stephen Curtis Chapman. Uh, one of their kids accidentally ran over the other kid in the driveway and killed them. Mm-hmm. And people have said, well, you, you know, frontline ministry, you know, the, Satan's out to get you and, and bad stuff's going to happen. And, and this is me. So my pushback in that is, well, then I ain't doing frontline ministry. I'm not putting my hand up to be a pastor or, <laughs> or a Jesus singer or whatever. That's ridiculous. And all that, that says to me is that God is a wimp and can't. Uh, or a jerk. Or, or, or disconnected. Uh, spun the world and split, and we'll see you after we die. And there really is no rhyme or reason to certain things. Target theology? Anyway, I had an issue with that. What about you, Jason? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, well, first of all, I don't have any people, so you're not going to be hearing any complaints from me. But <laughs> no I, people. And and I think you're presuming that God enjoys Stephen Curtis Chapman's music more than I, I think God probably does. But... Um, <laughs> Having said that, uh, no, I, I think, I mean, and I've heard that before. Uh, one of my supervisors in the denomination I was going in for surgery kind of implied just, just that that thought. And, and on the one hand, uh, I, I mean, <laughs> I think there are a lot more non-ordained people doing more interesting Jesus work than most pastors do. Um, but I also think that theology gives too much power and credence uh, to the devil. Um, I, I mean, we're in Holy Week, and you know, I, I really do believe that what we see on the cross is God in Christ defeating the power of sin, Satan, the devil. You know, once and for all, I think is what Hebrews says. Um, and, and so, I, I think you know, the power that the devil has in this world is is just but a shadow, um, and it is the only power that we give to him. I think. Uh, so, so I, I would disagree with target theology, as you put it. I like my. I think I'm. I'd like to get some copyright on that. Target, Target theology. theology. <laughs> I like that. Hey, what's that? Do the work and write the book like do, everyone else. No, I don't want to write the book. That's just lazy. Well, then you can't. Call I can't. It your no, name. I know. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting chastised by my attorney sitting beside me here. Um, <laughs> I'm fine. I, I, I'm, Target theology is funny. I'm already working on it. So, okay. Uh, good. <laughs> good. Uh, the book is called "Cancer Is Funny: Keeping Faith in Stage Serious Chemo." There's no other way to ask this question other than a sort of a cheesy radio interview guy asking this question. So here we go. 
What, yeah. what have you learned about, uh, what have you learned spiritually as a result of having <laughs> cancer? You know, what has your theology changed? Has your views on God changed? Uh, do you doubt more? Do you doubt less? What's changed? Nothing? Um, no, I, I do. I do think things have changed just because that's what I hear my friends and my congregants tell me is that they, they notice a change in me. And I, I think they're more reliable witnesses than I am myself. But I, I two things, um, as a pastor in a, you know, institutional organized religion, I come by cynicism pretty easy. And the way my congregation responded to my cancer um, yeah, I never got one card from any of them telling me that all things happen for a reason. Oh, um, nothing like that. And so, and, you know, and they cared for me and they took me to chemo and they caught me when I passed out and they wiped vomit from my mouth and they helped with my kids. And, and it, the way they responded as a Christian community um, really robbed me of my cynicism. And so I have a, a respect for it sounds crazy for Pastor Bruce saying this, but I, I have a respect for the local church that I didn't have before. Hmm. Um, and I I don't think any of my theological beliefs have changed, but I know I know firsthand now that when you're suffering and facing you know your likely death, if you try to narrate your experience of suffering using the Christian language, it works. But I I have a confidence in the language of the faith um, that just comes from first-hand experience now. And so I think that lends itself to more urgency in my preaching. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this, this stuff is real. Um, it can actually, you know, save lives. Mm -hmm. Okay, you touched on something just a minute ago. And by the way, we are speaking with Jason Michelli. He is the author of Cancer is Funny, Keeping Faith in Stage Serious Chemo. Uh, Jason... You mentioned uh, just a couple of minutes ago about uh, the, the phrase, everything happens for a reason, which personally just makes a, just, I, there's a little mini vomit in the back of my throat whenever I hear that. <laughs> um, yeah. Because the, the immediate pushback in that is, everything happens for a reason? All right, let's talk about so-and-so I know whose daughter was raped and murdered and, uh, or whatever, right? You know, let's talk about the children's uh -huh. exhibit in yeah. Israel. The Holocaust? The Holocaust, yeah. yeah. happened for a reason. So everything happens for a reason. And I think what people are, they're just grasping on to, you know, what they're really trying to say is, um, okay, life can hand you lemons, let's make some lemonade. Is that really what they're saying? I don't yeah. know. Like, what are we, what is this everything happens for a reason? That might be the longest, most disjointed question I've ever asked. No, I think um, I think a lot of people who say crap like that. I, I think a lot of what that has to do with, I think, is that we are afraid of other people's vulnerability, and we are afraid of other people's despair, and we don't know how to engage them with where they're at, and so we respond by reaching out into the ether and we grab hold of these cliches that we hear. Um, you know, because I think very often the people who use those cliches, if you push them to like defend it they wouldn't um and, and and it's just you know as christian speech it's unintelligible because you know what the new testament shows is that you know the world um does not yet reflect god's will um but there is you know something called sin with a capital s contending against god's will um and so to say that everything happens for a reason is to say that like the world is exactly as god would have it be and that's not 
the witness of Scripture. Of all the chapter titles in your book, there's one in particular that I would like to raise with you. Okay. Chemo sissy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Chemo sissy. Dude, can you give us a succinct understanding of that chapter? <laughs> uh, so that narrated my first bout of... So I, I went through a year of very, very intense, aggressive chemo. Um, and so that chapter narrates my first, uh, my first week, uh, my first round. And I remember, um, so I had this like really intense oncologist who was explaining uh, how he was basically going to kill me in order to kill the cancer. Yeah. Um, and I remember laying in bed in the hospital with my mom, you know, next to me and it was late at night and they had just started, uh, the drug. And I'm just, you know, I'm just laying there thinking, like, I'm just, you know, I'm the baddest guy in the world because, like, it didn't affect me at all. Um, and I actually, like, imagined myself as Liam Neeson from Taken. Like, I could just, you know, handle this and take names. Um, and so I, you, have a, you have a certain set of skills? Yeah. So I'm, I'm laying in bed gloating to my mother about how I'm, like, the Charles Bronson of chemotherapy. And, like, literally the words are hanging in the air. And suddenly, like, my entire body just starts um, um, convulsing beyond, like, control. Um, and, and like, it went on for a while. And, you know, I, I, you know, and I confess in the book, too, but, like, if you told me every round was going to be like that, I, I would have thrown in the towel if I didn't yeah. have kids in the life. Yeah. Um, and so, it, it, I mean, I went from macho to just vanquished in, you know, the space of 15 seconds. Um, wow. And, that, and that's, I mean... One of the many ways that, you know, cancer and chemo strips away your pretenses and your pride. Well, I I have a friend right now who is going it real tough um, because he's um, he's taking medication that is killing him in order for him to survive. And uh, I cannot yeah. wait to get your book into, into his hands. So I want to thank you for writing this with a fair bit of... Um, well, I've already used cheek? this phrase. No, yeah, cheek or testicular fortitude. Yeah. So here's the here's the dedication at the front of the book, kids, to Dennis for showing up, to Allie for better scratched out for worse, <laughs> and to the people of Aldersgate for never telling me to effing make lemonade. <laughs> it's just beautifully written as far as I'm concerned, and I love the fact that you are uh, uncoordinated spiritually. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed how people reacted to me in my church when I got sick, and I, and I noticed that a lot of them were reacting out of unresolved grief that they had for someone in their life um, who had cancer. And, hmm. and so I, I decided, since I lived my life in the fishbowl as a pastor, that I should I should embody this you know very significant thing that has happened to our family in the fishbowl too, and, and show them how you know how did Jason the Christian, not Jason the pastor, how do I just do this as authentically as possible um, as a way of modeling for them how to, to do, do it, too. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you for uh, spilling your guts uh, in the toilet bowl as well as into this ah. book. So, well done. Really well done. Thanks for having me. You, you don't sound nearly as Canadian as I was expecting. Oh, stop it, eh? Yeah, eh? <laughs> don't be a loser. Yeah, there goes that gift of maple syrup we're sending. Hey, how is it so hard for you to roll a smoke? Because I got my skadoo gloves on, eh? <laughs> My wife and I were in Quebec City last 
last last spring. And uh, oh, oh, when are you going to come to Canada? Very good. Anybody? Yeah, we'll definitely come back. It was, it was a great trip. <laughs> Jason, thank you, man. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Jason Michelli, he's the author of Cancer is Funny, Keeping Faith in Stage Serious Chemo. Happy, 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 happy.